0: Welcome to The Technology Pill, a podcast that looks at how technology is reshaping our lives every day and exploring the different ways that governments and companies use tech to increase their power. My name is Gus Hossein, and I'm the Executive Director at Privacy International.
1: And I'm Caitlin, and I'm PI's Senior campaign Officer. Hi.
0: If you're celebrating Christmas, Merry Christmas Eve or Merry Christmas. And if you're celebrating Hanukkah, we hope you're enjoying this week. And if you're just celebrating some time off with family and loved ones, well, we're very happy to be doing the same ourselves. So let's celebrate together. Caitlin, what are you doing this Christmas?
1: Basically, our Christmas plans this year are a copy paste of last year that we couldn't do last year because my family got COVID. So fingers crossed, I am hopefully going home for Christmas and then heading to my partner's family on Boxing Day is the hope. How about you? What are your Christmas plans?
0: it's the exact opposite of last year where despite the descent of omicron upon everybody who was in london we managed to sneak out of the country uncoveted and made it to canada to see my family so this year we're staying at home and enjoying christmas with our puppy who wasn't with us for christmas last year who was not a christmas gift either but uh, <laughs> it'll be his first christmas Important with us note. yes
1: nice yeah We've got the P.I. Christmas party tomorrow when we're recording this, which is extremely exciting. We do a secret Santa and I'm hoping that any minute the postman <laughs> will come to the door with my secret Santa present, because otherwise I'm going to be in a little bit of trouble tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yes, but you're, you're facing a very understanding organization for those listeners who are not based in the United Kingdom you may not understand that there is a large number of industrial actions and infrastructure failures and cost-of-living crisis all happening at the same time. So I think whoever is your secret Santa, Caitlin, will entirely understand. But just to be clear, though, Caitlin, I'd be very disappointed to hear that this is an Amazon gift because PI's rule is that we always make sure that we have a price limit and it has to come from an independent shop or a charity.
1: It's from Etsy, so. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, no, it's from a independent seller. Yes,
1: on, on Etsy. Etsy. Yes. Anyway, that's our Christmases. Last year we did a very Christmassy episode. We did an extremely Christmassy episode, and if that's the kind of mood, that's the, what you're looking for, then I think most of the information in it will still be true. It had a lovely little Christmas poem that I bet we will be posting again on social media, so you can look out for it, a privacy Christmas poem. But this year we wanted to kind of take a different approach rather than a straight Christmas podcast. As we approach the end of the year, we want to talk about the good things. So the real change that we've achieved this year. So, you know, this is going to be a really brief sample of our work. You'll be able to find a longer list on our website at pvcy.org forward slash change. But we picked out the kind of pieces of impact that we've talked about on the podcast to give you a little bit of an update to talk about the things that have gone well for once. Because so much of this podcast I feel like is, you know... Here are issues. Here are bad things. Well, here are some good things. Here are some things that we achieved and that we're proud of this year.
0: I'm glad you did this, just to say, because PI has gone through this huge change in the last few years where we've become very focused, not just in the debates and the issues that we work on, but on You know, the change in the world we're actually creating. And when we started doing this about four years ago, we really had no idea that we'd be able to create change in the world. And now four years on, we are change junkies. So we will celebrate something that happened. Like earlier this week, we had a huge result coming out of the European Union, basically calling on themselves to stop funding surveillance tech around the world without doing human rights assessments before they actually did that. And Honestly, that news arrived on Monday, and I've been waiting for that news for like three years. I had a meeting on Tuesday, and I'd forgotten about that bit of impact because I was already looking at the next bit of impact. And it's it's great, but it turns us into junkies, and we do forget about some of the phenomenal positive work that's gone on throughout the year. So I I look forward to receiving that.
1: Yeah, and that piece of impact you can find out more about it on our website I'll include links down below we will definitely next year do a podcast about it in much more detail but again it's something that you can go back and listen to our advocacy director edin did three podcasts earlier this year one about violence at the eu's borders one about surveillance made in italy and one about the eu the sahel and the externalization of surveillance that's probably the one to listen to if you're interested in this but this is kind of the culmination of that work it's not the end of that work there's a whole load of new steps but it's worth having a little bit of a party because yeah it's a huge achievement we will come back and talk to you about it in way more detail early next year but yes go back and listen to that podcast and then go to our website there'll be a link in the description to find out more about what's happened there because it's really really cool the ones that I picked out for today was first off. So Google gives people the power to opt out of weight-related ads. If you'll remember, it was actually not this year. It was the end of last year. We did a podcast with a really lovely activist who spent a ton of time working on diet ads, basically, and how damaging and unhealthy they could be. His name's Daniel Magson.
2: I just tried to set up some of the adverts myself, and I realised that you could target anybody impacted by eating disorders. So if someone was searching for eating disorder help, you could target them. If somebody was following a eating disorder helpline, you could target them. If somebody was typing in any keywords or searches around suicide, you could target them. It was unbelievable. I mean, on Google's advertising platform alone, there was tens of thousands of keywords relating to eating disorders that you could target. And I said, I'm not going to put up with this privacy international got in touch with me and but you guys kind of opened my eyes to this idea that there's another way of going around this and that there's a bigger issue here and teaming up with a few other voices and mps uh, who are focused on this so then hopefully i can reignite the campaign and and um, finally change google and facebook which are now my number one enemies in the world <laughs>
1: success. Google finally added weight loss as a sensitive ad category, which means you can opt out of being targeted on the basis of your interest, quote unquote, in weight loss, which is great, which is fantastic. For a lot of people with eating disorders, that means you can now no longer be kind of receive the barrage of your weight's unhealthy. You just need to do all these things. You just need to get, you know, eat this way and you'll be fine, which, you know, can lead to real issues for a lot of people but at least on Google ads which you know some of the biggest that I think they are the biggest purveyor of ads in the world that one's no longer the case you can opt out so if that is something that you're worried about if that's you know an issue that you've had if you even just like if it's not but you just don't want to see them which is completely understandable you can now do that you can go look at your sensitive ad category options and you can add weight loss. There are already a couple there around gambling, around pregnancy, around alcohol, but now weight loss is one of those. So yay!
0: It is a little sad that it took so much hard work for one of the world's largest and richest companies to have this occur to them in order to make this decision. But yes, that is such a win. Yes. Just, I'm saddened that we live in a world where a win like this was necessary, but good on the people who did all the hard work on that.
1: I think a lot of our wins, we would be saddened that, that that would be necessary. But that's kind of why we exist, right? Like, if we were only taking on issues that we were happy that it was necessary to take on, that would be a really confusing organization. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. There's a we level of unhappiness of and discontent in the world that is required for an organization like PI to exist.
1: <laughs> exactly. If things were broadly fine, but they could be made a little bit better, then maybe we would still exist. But it would feel less pressing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a a good segue to the second one, which is I saw a tweet today coming out of Ukraine where the CEO of this very interesting tech firm called Clearview AI is in Ukraine being celebrated for the use of his facial recognition tool by the Ukrainian authorities, which he's given to them for free.
2: This is CNN Breaking News. The parties must exchange the bodies of dead military. But they have to try to identify the dead men first. They do it by using a myriad of techniques. But the most effective has been facial recognition technology. They upload a picture of a face. The technology scrubs all the social networks. It's really fast. Once they have a match... They go one step further. We send messages to their friends and relatives. The technology is not just being used on the dead. It is also being used to identify Russian soldiers who are alive.
0: Isn't that a feel-good story for this time of the year?
1: Yes, that's just wonderful. The good news version of this story is that we file complaints with partners around the world. Hi, I'm Lucio Dibert. I'm a lawyer and legal officer at Privacy International. And you helped draft like the millions of legal complaints we've sent in about Clearview, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Clearview is why we're back here today because there's interesting news. Yes. On the 9th of March, 2022, Italy's Data Protection Authority found that Clearview's data processing was in breach of GDPR and imposed a 20 million euro fine on the company, which is the maximum fine that you can give under the GDPR. So that was great news. It came about as a result of the complaint we filed with our partner there. It's the first decision to impose an actual fine on Clearview. It's illegal in a growing number of countries. We're waiting for more countries' decisions, but we're expecting to all go in the same direction. So far, Clearview has been fined in order to stop collecting data and delete the data they've already collected of people in Italy, the UK, Greece and France. The fines they've received total 60 million euros and 7.5 million pounds.
0: No, I like to hold on. Hold on. I like, I like to put it this way instead. In Italy, they were fined 20 million euros. In Greece, they were fined 20 million euros. In France, they were fined 20 million euros. And in the UK, they were fined 7.5 million pounds. So let's yes. it's, put that into perspective. They
1: were initially fined more, and then it 17. kind of got argued That's down right. to 7.5. 20 yes. million euros is the maximum GDPR fine. It's the biggest fine ever imposed by the Greek Data Protection Authority. So we're pretty, pretty chuffed about that. Again, the fight is not over, because of course it's not. And clearly you are arguing in court. They're arguing that they're not subject to the GDPR, and um, we're not even going to pay it anyway, and various other things. But, you know, the fines are on the books. People will start chasing them for that money, and we're hoping their appeal will fail. (laughs) And we're hoping that other data protection authorities look at those judgments and say, well, that's interesting. GDPR also applies here. And Clearview... Also has our citizens' data. Wouldn't it be great if we copy paste it? Exactly. Because we also want 20 million euros. There are also complaints going in against other companies who have very similar business practices. So Big Brother Watch recently filed a complaint against PIMIS, who you may remember from our podcast on PIMIS.
2: A face search engine can be used as a weapon for stalking, for example, or for persecution in political relationships. It can be used to track down sex workers, political dissidents or anyone else. I would argue it is impossible to understand the real dangers of PMI's.
1: And we're hoping that more and more regulators, other CSOs, look at this particular kind of business model or this aspect of this business model and say, well, we already know that that is illegal. We know because one, two, three, four data protection authorities so far, because there are still pending complaints, have taken action on it. So it's like not that hard for us to... Jump on this bandwagon.
0: But this is exactly why the CEO of Clearview has to travel to Ukraine to try to use that horrific war as a moment to try to cleanse their reputation. It's so disappointing that they could think that this is how they recuperate from 60 million euros worth of fines. And just the fines are fun numbers. But the important thing is that this is a company that has scraped data of people across the world and included in their AI system. And the regulators have said, so, the Italian regulator says, "You have to stop collecting data. And you have to delete the data on Italians. And the French said the same, and the Greeks said the same. And so Clearview's got to go through its systems and weed out information it shouldn't have had in the first place,
1: which we don't necessarily think is technically possible because although there's a certain amount you can do technically to say where you know where is the person in this image from, there's a lot you can't do. So we don't necessarily think that, It's humanly possible to do it without just deleting everything, which was what we we think they should do.
0: And this is the precedent that we're essentially hunting when it comes to the AI model and uh, let's accumulate as much data as possible and uh, develop exploitation models later. That entire business model and that entire technical framework has to be reevaluated as a result of this specific case.
1: Yes. And maybe we should do a podcast on the podcast that we didn't have time to do. Because speaking of Ukraine and Clearview in Ukraine, we had a plan to do a podcast on technical responses and involvements in the Russian invasion of Ukraine, particularly around the internet and and what our lead technologist, or I can't remember his job title, um, but he had done a whole kind of piece of work around internet routing that was really interesting, and we just never quite found the time to record the podcast. And we have a whole list of things like that. Like, maybe that would have been... A fun one to do that would have been here's what we wish we had time to talk to you about
0: yeah and listeners may remember we did have a podcast with the international committee for the red cross with our friend massimo who we interviewed and what are the challenges of responding to a war situation who better than icrc who are always on the ground in the most horrific environments trying to take care of people
2: The ICRC is an organization that was born over 150 years ago. Integrating principles that are very close to what we call today data protection principles has been really in the operating procedures of the organization for a long time. But there are some really legitimate drivers for wanting to leverage technology to do more with less, as we are pushed to do uh, with growing needs and uh, less capacity to provide aid.
0: But yes, the tech world has been doing some really interesting research on what is happening at a technical level. And Chris's research that Caitlin was alluding to was a part of that. And it would be great to be able to talk through all those issues. Similarly, as the war was breaking out, we were very concerned about what happens when an invading power has access to databases that are lying around in a country. So for instance, not to use the example of Ukraine or any companies that might be operating in Ukraine, but say a country gets invaded and the occupying force all of a sudden has access to an ID system, or the telecommunications system. And let's say those telecommunications systems include vast interception and communications capabilities or data retention capabilities. And these were the types of uh, questions that we were raising early on in the war. It'd be great to talk through those.
1: We also, as a side note, and we'll get back to our <laughs> listeners, we also yes, wanted sorry. to do a podcast on Amazon and Amazon's kind of exploitation of workers and the union movement taking on Amazon and we didn't get a chance to do that one you know some of these will come out at some point we're still kind of planning on we're still working on them so it's not like they'll never happen it's just one of the things that kind of we wish that we'd done similarly we've got I imagine a podcast will come out early next year on some work that we've done on expiry dates on phones around how you know when your phone falls out of support because that's work that we've been kind of doing this year that's been really interesting and then there was another big one.
0: Oh, the big one that I'm—I I want you to have as a New Year's resolution—is you've been talking about for a long time now, wanting to do a podcast on normal,
2: what used uh, yes. to be
0: normal, and normalization and that entire dynamic. And i, I just think that would be fascinating, but it's so hard because it's so large and yet it's so specific. Specific, <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Oh, I remember what it was. We will probably also do a podcast on did we do a podcast on Office 365 and Microsoft surveillance, workplace surveillance?
0: No, I don't think so. And we should probably do so.
1: Yes. Okay. So it's almost like a brief trailer for next year.
0: (laughs) Generally, our our workplace surveillance work, we really should be speaking to our colleagues at PI have been doing some amazing work on identifying the types of surveillance that could be happening at work, but also what happens when tech is deciding what it is you work on. And so we did some work with the gig economy workers. We're now doing some work with content creators. And it would be fascinating to bring all that together in a uh, podcast.
1: The last thing on my list actually goes back to, I think, the first podcast that we put out when I started trying to get everyone to do podcasts which was we did a podcast on mobile phone extraction. It's before we even had the name Technology Pill. It was very early on when I was like, guys, this podcasting thing. It <laughs> um, might take off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we did a podcast on mobile phone extraction and kind of what it is, how it works, and some more information about that.
0: It's a fancy word for like what happens when your phone is seized and, and somebody tries to take the data off.
2: Exactly we're talking about when a law enforcement or government has physical possession of your device, plugging it into something and being able to take everything off your phone. And so we did that to three of my phones, and even though I knew what was coming, it was terrifying to see all your data presented in a way that law enforcement would see it. But even to see it yourself in one place, you don't often have that experience where you really see all your browsing history... Or your emails, all your text messages, and then all the deleted items that you're not expecting are still there. Well, what if we can use the companies to put pressure on law enforcement as well as us? What if people can put pressure on the companies? And what if all of those can then put pressure on the government and say, you know what, something has to change?
1: So that was two years ago. It was the second podcast we ever put out. And you can go back and listen to it now. You'd have to scroll kind of a long way. So I'll probably link it in the description. But we don't give up. We're tenacious. And the UK government this year released a new code of practice on extraction of information from electronic devices, which includes some of our recommendations from our response to a consultation on the code, which was launched earlier this year. So the good news is that the code of practice makes clear that regardless of the purpose, there must be no presumption that information will be extracted from a device and that other less intrusive means of obtaining information must be considered. And it included a set of additional documents provided in the written notice to the person who's subject of instruction. Like, I don't necessarily think it's everything that we wanted in the world, but it's nice to celebrate progress. And that is progress.
0: That's a huge amount of progress. And let's also not forget, we've had a win in the courts on the very question of seizing mobile phones and extracting data from mobile phones of asylum seekers. Yes. And we'll have some of our lawyers on the podcast next year, early next year, to talk through some of our cases like that.
1: Yeah, we will. That one's already in the works. We don't have to feel bad that we didn't do it this year. But <laughs> yes, the High Court ruled that seizing mobile phones from asylum seekers was unlawful. So... The Home Office in the UK had this blanket policy just to take mobile phones from asylum seekers, particularly those arriving on small boats to the UK, which normally means a literal very small boat, normally across the channel. And yeah, it was ruled illegal. You can't just have a blanket policy to take everyone's phones off them when they arrive in this country. And migrants shouldn't be compelled to provide their PIN numbers. So... When your phone is, as it turned out, unlawfully seized, when you have arrived in this country to claim asylum or as a migrant, after it's been taken, you can't then be forced to give up your PIN number to allow them to enter it. So that was what the High Court ruled, which obviously were pretty pretty pleased. They also later ordered redress for thousands of migrants who had already been affected by the unlawful policy. So around 8,500 people should be able to now claim compensation because of these unlawful seizures. The court also ruled that the Home Office breached the duty of candor in the conduct of the litigation, which I think means not being as forthcoming as they should have been, which obviously has never been our experience with the Home Office before. Don't,
0: don't, 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 don't do this. I vowed I'm going to stop swearing. And, And you start talking about the Home Office and its misbehaviors and I stopped being responsible for the words I use. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, But that's a huge victory. That's something we're really, really proud of. We're really, really pleased about it. It's a case we intervened in. It's a case we thought was really important. And it was a huge victory. And I really hope every single one of those 8,500 people apply for that compensation. I don't know how much it is, but the podcast that we released two weeks ago with Cory Doctorow, as we talked about in that podcast, every time that you can claim compensation for something like this, do.
0: I mean, people make fun of uh, class action settlements in the U.S., which are, you know, typically like sort of eighty-five cents or whatever. I always cash those checks. Oh yeah. Because the point is that if we all cash the checks, it really hurts the companies. Mm-hmm.
1: Those 8,500 people deserve whatever amount of money it is, and the Home Office deserve to have to pay it out.
0: (laughs) Yes, they deserve the clerical nightmare of having to deal with it. same way that Clearview deserves the clerical nightmare of having to adhere to orders from regulators across the world. They pretend they can move fast and break things and grab things and do as they please, and now they have to pay for the consequences.
1: Exactly. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And actually, speaking of things we talked to Corey about, another one that we haven't mentioned because it wasn't talked about on the podcast, so again, probably a podcast we should do, is...
2: Breaking news now. The UK's competition regulator, the Competition and Markets Authority, has apparently ordered Meta, which owns Facebook, that it must sell Giphy, which allows users to search for and share GIFs or short looping videos. So
1: Meta, it's so hard not to call them Facebook, but Meta bought Giphy.
0: You're so old.
1: <laughs> yeah, I suppose I am. But yeah, it turns out you're not allowed to just like continually entrench your market dominance uh, your monopoly uh, by just endlessly buying companies
0: for their data yeah
1: specifically for their data which is our concern the pretty significant concerns over user data and the competition markets authority agree with us so now meta have to sell giphy
0: and that's like i don't think people get that's the first time this has happened to big tech you know, Time and again, big tech's just been going around buying companies. While they stop innovating, they just buy other companies to get mm-hmm. data, to exploit that data, whether it is to enter new markets or to spy on new markets. And we kept on raising this issue over a period of years, and most recently with Google and Fitbit, and now with Meta and Giphy. And yeah, it's somebody drew a line, and the UK regulator drew a line, and Meta's accepted it, and they
1: now have to sell Giphy. And it's something we're going to be watching pretty closely to see kind of what happens and make sure that they're appropriately disentangled. And yeah, making sure meta follow through on their legal obligation now. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And just to like, again, just to fluff the feathers a little bit. Four years ago, we just started reaching out to competition regulators, trying to convince them that data matters. Because competition regulators tend to focus on market power, market dominance, and whether other competitors are disadvantaged. They don't look to data. And four years on, you have your first case of a big tech company being told, no, you can't do as you please. Like, yeah, I want to end the year on a positive note because, you know, good things are happening.
1: Yeah, and it's so easy because so many problems are so many places to say it's bad. It's been a bad year. Bad things happen. It's bad. But actually, you know, if we don't stop and smell the roses occasionally, then you get, you know, a bit lost, a bit sad and yeah. you forget good things do happen as well. And they do Progress has happened.
0: Although we will also remember that the people who don't like progress are actively trying to undermine it.
1: Yeah, but that's always true.
0: (laughs) I know, but we would be a little remiss if we didn't note that, say, abortion rights are being put back into a box in some parts of the world. Although today in the PI office, we celebrated that the UK Supreme Court ruled in favor of protections around abortion providers in Northern Ireland. And one of our colleagues used to work in the Northern Irish Human Rights Commission who had pushed for that safeguard. And it was affirmed today. So there, there even within retrenchment, there is celebrations to occur.
1: Exactly. Gotta have a little party occasionally or you'll forget that parties happen. <laughs>
0: Yes, or maybe you're just not invited to them. <laughs>
1: well, this is our party, and thank you for listening, and thank you for coming to our little party where we yes. celebrate the things that we've achieved, or you know, mostly that our colleagues have achieved.
0: <laughs> mostly our uh, <laughs> achieved. <laughs> Who, when they come on the podcast, are much more informative and much more detailed, <laughs> capable of explaining the wonderful work they
1: do. Well, they can come on other podcasts. This one's our party.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Thanks for listening. I love that I get to do this podcast with Caitlin. I I love that we get to have these chats and I love that you come to listen to the very interesting guests and the great work that's being done by them and across the world on these pressing issues. At PI, we we love what we do and we, we very much want to do more of it. And if this is something that you believe in and that you like, we need your support. We have a big fight ahead in 2023 and beyond with the fight for privacy even more essential as every year goes. We know that times are hard, of course, and there are a lot of pressing issues and pressing causes that need attention, and and we, we hope you support them. But if you're interested in supporting privacy and interested in supporting our work, we would love and welcome a one-off donation of just as small as three pounds or three dollars or or 20 euros to to celebrate the actions of the the regulators across the world who did take sufficient action against Clearview so whatever you can afford you can donate to PI at any time by going to pvcy.org slash donate pill don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you use The music is courtesy of Sapia. This podcast was produced by Max Burnell for Privacy International.